Welcome to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. You can deny it, but you know it's true. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander, Bunker to France here, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles, and we have us, uh, uh, we got a guest here, we got a guest in Los Angeles. We do? It'd be doggone busy, so we're going to get rid of some, uh, not get rid of, but take care of the housekeeping stuff right fast here. Now, coming up in uh, June 10, it's a pretty cool event happening down in um, Wilcox. It's a Ranching Heritage Festival, and it's uh, June 9 and June 10. And basically what's going to happen is it's talking about ranching. So all the activities include... Yep. Include uh, Round Pen to talk about livestock. That's happening in the middle of downtown Wilcox. There's going to be an animal alley showcasing various cattle breeds that have been important to ranching. A demonstration of ranching-related skills like forging, rope making, horsemanship, horseshoeing, and virtual reality experiences of ranching. Plus some live entertainment happening. And, uh, you know, it, I think it's all free down at Wilcox. Well, pretty much so. And I think... I know they're having a rodeo, and I'm hoping that it's a ranch rodeo because yeah. those are the best. You can check them out in on on uh, at their Facebook page. Uh, just look for Ranching Heritage Festival, and uh, you can also go to the WilcoxTheater.com website to find out more. So that is what is happening there, happening down in uh, this weekend down in Tombstone. It is Wyatt Earp Days. And water, and, and to, to, to top it off, we got some we got some folks in here uh, who were participants in. Uh, they they were tombstoneys. And uh, tombstoneys, uh, Peter Scirocco in uh, Los Angeles. Oh, one other thing, though. Yes, sir. We need to mention that this is our Memorial Day show. Yes. Even though Memorial Day is not until Tuesday, the real Memorial. Day. That's right, and we celebrate it. Uh, we thank all those who paid the ultimate sacrifice to Amen. allow us to do what we are doing right now. And we try our best. Peter Scirocco is in Los Angeles. He was in the movie Tombstone from 1993, along with a buttload of other movies. And uh, in the studio here with us, well, not studio, but here at the ranch with us is uh, Tucson Vern Walker. And he and Peter are friends, and I found out about this yesterday when I met Vern. <laughs> I'm sitting at a bar. You're both very getting, good. Yeah, getting my truck fixed. One foot in the gutter. Yeah, and 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 uh, Vern sits down next to me, pulls out a bunch of quarters to pay the uh, the bartender for, for his beer, and I'm thinking, all right. <laughs> and then he starts showing pictures uh, to her of his projects, and we get talking about the movies and find out he's a friend of Peter, and so here we are. We're all together now. Yeah. Yeah. Gentlemen, welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, good to be here. All right. Uh, Where do do we want to start? I don't know. Well, how about the beginning? (laughs) That's a good thing. Well, well, for one thing, uh, you were friends with Emo. Is that not correct? Peter was. Peter, yes. I know you were. (laughs) Emo, the uh, the John White. Yeah, Emo Franzi. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was not friends with Emil, Emil Franzi. He was friends with Emil, the John Wayne lookalike. Yeah, the John Wayne lookalike, uh, right. I know Tucson. No, okay, no, I was talking about Emil Franzi, the host of the show here. No, our previous no, host. they weren't. They weren't buddies, but I will. Well, I lent him twenty dollars one time, and he's never paid me back. <laughs> let's talk about uh, one of Peter's friends, and we'll let Peter start off the show this way. Peter, why don't you, you know, the way I've heard it, and I'd love you to tell the to tell the straight story or tell me the parts I'm getting wrong, but you and Kevin Jar used to ride horses in the northeast section of the San Fernando Valley in the hills there, and he started telling you about a film he wanted to make, he wanted to write, and then eventually make, and that was Tombstone. How did that all come about? How, how did these conversations uh, generically grow? Well, Kevin and, Kevin and I were friends for a, a couple of years before we started doing Tombstone. And uh, originally, he was going to do a Dracula movie. And I was going to be the, the head of the Transylvanian 
Calvary. <laughs> we were, we were, uh, you, you know, he was working on that, and he went over there to uh, scout locations. And in the in the time that he was over there, uh, I think it was uh, I can't remember the guy's name, uh, famous famous director. They did a Dracula movie, uh, and when that happened, they pulled the plug on Kevin's uh, Dracula. So that that uh, ended the whole thing. He came back and he disappeared for a couple of months. Nobody heard from him or, or saw him or he didn't call anybody to answer calls. And then he finally resurfaced and he said, okay, I'm back now. And he said, we're going to do a Western. So Kevin had a horse. I had my horse. I would bring it up to uh, to uh, Silmar. And we, we'd, uh, about four of us would get together and have a, uh, each of us would have at least a pint of whiskey, 100 rounds of ammunition. And we would take off to the hills about 9 o'clock at night and we would ride and just shoot at any phantom we would see. <laughs> And we you know we tried to do it on, on full moon nights so, so we could you know have some sight, and uh, and that was it. We we did that, and Kevin said, "I'm going to do a western," but he didn't want to get uh, robbed like he did on Dracula. So he said, "I'm going to do one on the uh, on the gold ring." Did we lose you? No, he's still there. And somebody else would start doing a 49er gold rush. But in the meantime, he, he, he swore us all the secrecy. And he said, all right, here's the deal. We're going to do Tombstone. And he started writing a script. And, and uh, Frank uh, Frank Tregani, who was uh, my assistant on the movie yeah, for, the, for the Buckaroos, uh, he rode with us. Uh, Gary Gang, who had the stable where Kevin uh, boarded his horse, he rode with us. And Gary was going to be the wrangler. Now, take care of the gun. So every couple of weeks, Kevin would call me and say, come on down to my house. I'd go down to Hollywood. 11, 12. Outside of the bar, he would watch a, a Western movie. And about 3 o'clock, he'd give me five pages. He'd say, all right, go home, uh, look at these, and design the guns for everybody. So that's what I was doing. And we did that for a year before we... Uh, before you even got into production, that in terms of designing the firearm, what was there? What was it that needed to be designed? I mean, weren't they? Wasn't everybody using an 1873 peacemaker or whatever? No, no. What I did was I have a research library here on my on my ranch. I have five thousand books on movies and the old west. Okay. And so what I would do is go to look up every character that was going to be in the movie and try to find out the exact gun mm. that that you used. Mm -hmm. That's what I put in the movie, except I was overridden a couple of times. Uh, one of them is uh, Sheriff Bean. Sheriff Bean, uh, I wanted him to have uh, something uh, something delicate, something unique. He was a you know well-dressed guy. Mm -hmm. And the uh, sheriff's model, Colt uh, Sanglash Sheriff's model, just came out in 1880. Ah. And I said, hey, We'll give Sheriff B in a sheriff's model. And Kevin said, he said, no, I, I would like him to have something uh, delicate, you know, like a, a top break uh, Smith & Wesson. Well, at that time, I went down, there's a, a guy named Little John who has a, an auction. I think Little John has since retired, but he had a shop down in Orange. And I drove down there to buy a 76 Winchester, which was a rifle that Jason Priestley was going to use. Because, again, in my research... He used a, a 76. Mm -hmm. So I went down and bought a 76. And little John goes, hey, Pete, I've got this auction coming up. You might be interested in it. I go through the catalog, and there is Sheriff Bean's gun <laughs> for auction. And it's a, it's a four-inch sheriff's model. Mm -hmm. So I grab that. I drive back to Hollywood. I go to Kevin's house, knock on the door. He answers the door, and I open the book just to that page. He looks at it. He reads it. He says, all right, Sheriff Bean's going to have a sheriff's model. All right. <laughs> Nice. That, That's what, that, in movies, I'm, I'm putting together a TV series right now called The Forgotten Guns of Hollywood Western. Cool. Oh, good. What it is, is a, a, I'm a member of the Western Writers of America. Right. Another, another uh, member 
read an article back in December, and it said, how come we always see the same Winchesters and the same single action Colts in all of these movies? There's nothing. There's so many different guns. That four or five guns listed in his... Uh, Hmm. That's a great idea for a series. So I went to my armory, and I have, I have 1,500 guns in the armory from 1,500 uh, match locks, wheel locks, oh my God. Locks, you know, cap locks, everything. You know. Okay. <laughs> I, I went through them, and I ended up counting 120 guns that were proper for the Old West, but you never see them in movies. Huh. And I said, I'm going to do a TV series on that. So I've got um, so people cool. raising money right now. I've got, there's a new network uh, coming out on Sling TV, uh-huh. which is a, uh, the first channel they put on is a Kung Fu channel. Cool. The second channel that they have is a Western channel. So cool. nothing but Westerns. So they called me and they said, what do you have? And I said, well, this is what I'm doing. I'm working on it now. And, uh. We're putting it together good. We won 10 episodes, so we're doing that. The first episode is going to have a Maynard, a Gallagher, and a Burnside. Huh. Have you ever seen any of those guns in a Western movie? No, I cannot say I have. <laughs> but there were thousands of them made. They were all used in the Civil War. Yeah. After the Civil War, there were surplus. Yes. You can imagine a lot of people buying those sure. and then moving out west with them. Oh, so that's European the pieces. first episode. Yeah. All right, Vern, you've been out to uh, Peter's Ranch. You can attest to the number of guns. Well, that was kind of a, (laughs) you know, Peter's got this rule. If you know how many, you don't have enough. Uh, Yeah, right. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, I was was overwhelmed. I've been to gun shows and I've been to gun shops, and I have never in my life seen so many guns in one place. Is is Peter's place. So same same with his you know his saddles. Like he just said, his books over five. Oh, you know, Peter, we're talking about your guns and your books, which brings up we need to talk about Caravan West Productions up in Alwadulsi because that's where all of this is is hidden from the world. And uh, I I looked through your site and I spent about two hours just looking at the pictures from the (laughs) warehouse, going through the guns, the saddles, the wardrobe, the hats, the spurs. It just it boggles the mind. (laughs) And Bunker Bunker was looking for stuff that he wore back in the day. (laughs) I shall have most of that. Well, Vern, how did you get hooked up with uh, with Peter? You know, uh, I was on a movie set. I was just a wrangler um, playing safety, and uh, then they needed a bunch of horse people riding down the, the road, riding down, riding across the country and down the road. And so somebody said, uh, Peter supplied all these guns, and so I, I had to go get a gun from him. And and I'm sitting on a horse, and they said, this guy Peter Schreko, you know, he's written a book, and he's. I, I didn't I'm ride horses. I I, I train I train horses, you know, so so but can't, Peter can ride and read at the same time. Peter walks down the Peter walks down the middle of those horses. Yeah, that's not time period correct. Yeah, that's not time period correct. And he looks at my saddle and he says, The rope it was a rope and saddle, so it had the, the, the rubber around rubber the horn. Band around and so uh so Peter says, that's not a time period, correct? I says, yeah, it goes with that rubber gun you gave me. <laughs> yeah, the gun's going to stay in his holster. It's never coming out. <laughs> so that's, that was my first. And then, that's, and, a great, that's a great line. And later, later that day, we had a, we had a, there was a fight scene in a, in, a, in a bar. And so Peter, we're sitting at the table. And the, the Morelli Taylor was just cracking us up with her spitting into a spittoon. So we went outside. We're sitting there. And some guys wearing his speeder ears. Peter says, it's some extra, obviously not a cowboy. He says, Peter says, you know, your spurs upside down. You're wearing your spurs upside down. And I just busted up laughing. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, that brings up the thing. I worked on a ton of stuff. And you'd be out there and you'd look over and here'd be one of the actors, and it might might even be the lead, but it was generally one of the one of the character actors. Their hat would be on backwards. Their spurs would be upside down. They'd always have and I was you know, you, nobody would want to go up and tell them. Yeah. I would always tell them. And then I would get jumped on by the wardrobe guy. Well, you shouldn't have told him. I said, well, it, it makes you look bad. And he goes, oh, but you shouldn't have told him. And the actors <laughs> don't like you, that. That's what you love about Peter on, on any show you yeah. go on to is he's going to make he, – he, 
he's going to do his best to make sure it's it's time period correct. Now, somebody might, you know. Do you ever work with Richard Lindine? Uh, the name sounds familiar. He, but I can't he was one of the it. head wranglers out there for years. He did Gunsmoke for years, and he would go out there and literally pull guys off of the horse in a shot because they couldn't ride. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Peter's my kind of guy. Yeah, this, absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah, that's what's enjoyable about Peter. <laughs> Todd, you want to get in there? Well, you know, I just, uh, it's its funny how, you know, something can germinate from riding around with some friends and then it turns into a major motion picture, which in a lot of people's minds gave a rebirth to the Western film, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and we still see it to this day and what a cast of stars are in that film and they're still doing uh, reunions for it so you know they got one coming I up would, I would well yeah they do they do I would love Peter to talk about what his theory is on why Hollywood can't leave the western alone and just let it a western be just a western ah, just a good story yeah oh why can't they leave it alone? They can't leave it alone. They have to invent it. They don't understand. Uh, they don't understand the story. We're doing. We do a series right now called uh, Wild West Chronicles, which is on INSP every uh, Thursday night at seven o'clock, and we're doing another uh, series called Elkhorn, which is about Teddy Roosevelt when he was in the Dakotas, mm-hmm. and the customer they hired. You know, they would. I supplied all the costumes, but I don't do any of this stuff. I have people doing it, so the people would come over and pull costumes, and and of course I have everything. So if you want to do a 1950, 70 uh, rodeo movie, I yeah, I have the hats for that. Mm-hmm. But I have the hats for 1880. So here these people are pulling the uh, modern rodeo hats, and well, whoa, don't do that. Mm-hmm. But they listen to me, and and they're doing that. And of course they they bring in people they can't ride. Uh, I, I, I get yelled at by the head producer. My, my official job is the consulting producer, as I like to call it, the insulting producer. I said, well, why do you bring these people in that can't ride? I just talked to the casting director yesterday, and, uh, and I said, you know, let me bring some of the buckaroos in. And, of course, the buckaroos that I hired, I created those guys uh-huh. for the year before Tombstone. And... Uh, I mean, but now we're all, you know, a little uh, long in the tooth and uh, belly over the belt. Mm-hmm. So, but the networks want we want somebody who's twenty five years old, mm-hmm. and you know, and that's fine. And I get a lot of people that call me up. Can you hire me? Can you hire me? I said yes. Can you outride me and outshoot me? If you can do that, I want you. <laughs> I want people that are better than me because then I don't have to work so hard. There you go. You don't have to take you by the hand and say, "This is how you do it." I want them to tell me this is how you know this is how it's done. You know, I was looking at these photos from from 1883, and and this was here. You know, it's like a simple thing like the pullover shirts. Everybody wears a pullover shirt with three or four buttons mm-hmm. on it, but the uh, fully buttoned shirt was patented in 1882. Right. So if you're doing a movie after 1882, yeah, that that's fine to have those uh, you know those shirts in there or the uh, pocket. He, uh, shirts, yeah, uh, the military shirts, uh, the uh, the blue wool shirts had two pockets on. Because mm-hmm. I have to buy shirts with pockets in it anyway. Just uh, I have to keep uh, uh, lighters for my cigar and uh, your phone. Oh, Excellent. All right. On that note, we're going to take our first commercial break, break here on uh, Cigar Break here on Emil Francie's Voices of the West. Vern Walker is with us. Peter Scirocco is with us. I'm Harry Alexander, along with Bunker de France and Todd Roberts. Emil Francie's Voices of the West. We'll be right back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda, 
that's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. Imus Wilkinson is now Wilkinson Wealth Management, 7411 East Tank Verde in Tucson, 520-777-1911. Watch Old West silent movies anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net. All right, listeners, you like Westerns, right? You're darn I mean, you do listen to this program. So you want a chance to tell the rest of the world which Westerns you think are the best? I'm always ready to back up whatever I say. Here's how. Email us your picks for your top five Westerns. Tell us why you think those five are the best cowboy movies. You got any more you want to say on the subject? Each month, we'll pick one entry and offer you the chance to talk about your choices as a guest on our live stream and resulting podcast of the Voices of the West program. Pretty simple, right? We want to hear from you. We have our men scouring the valley. Email your list to bestwesterns, voicesofthewest at gmail.com. I guess that's all we need to hear. You're so drunk, you can't hit nothing. In fact, you're probably seeing double. I have two guns, one for each of you. This is the Voices of the West. Francie's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, <clears throat> Todd Roberts. <clears throat> I'm reaching puberty. Yeah, pardon we're me. all being through. Uh, it's puberty. Puberty? Puberty. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, Peter Scirocco is our guest, along with uh, Tucson Vern Walker. Walker and uh, where is the music? There it is. Both of these guys are, uh, are are cowboys, and it's our movie Saturday program. Yes, indeedy. Here from the White Stallion Ranch. I got a question for you, Peter. Yes, sir. Texas Jack. Yeah, I know he carried a shotgun. What else was he packing in that movie? And tell us about had, those weapons. I had two single-action Colts. One was made in 1882. The other one was made in 1889. I had a Whitney Kennedy rifle in 4440, which was made around 1875. Uh, the shotgun that I carried was an early Remington uh, with a top lift on it and then in my pocket I had a uh, 1871 72 Remington Smoot are you and sure you had all my guns were nickel plated with uh, ivory grips did you have enough weapons did you have a knife I know you had to have a knife what you have <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I had a knife too yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, only had, I only have one weapon I am the weapon everything else is a tool there you go uh, and like what, what what brand of tobacco were you chewing I, I don't chew. I was smoking a cigar. Oh, okay. Well, that won't last. <laughs> it's, it's my only weakness. Yeah, it was. That was a period. Oh. I'm looking at pictures of you, and I thought that was a bodily appendage. <laughs> <laughs> Vern Walker, you've been in a bunch of pictures as well. Uh, <clears throat> going uh, most recent uh, stuff, you were you were in a couple of Travis Mills productions and a variety of other things. Talk about those. Yeah, I was in uh, three of uh, Travis Mills movies. I've, I've been uh, one of Peter's buckaroos in, uh, over a period of time and went through a rough patch uh, back in 2019. My mom and four other family members and friends passed and, Ooh, and uh, going through a rough patch. And Peter calls me and says, Vernon, I need somebody who can ride. I got two movies back to back. I just need people to get out here and ride. And Can you help me? And he says, I'll make it worth your while. So I headed on out and uh, 
mounted shooting and that was a great one that shooting star is very frustrating that they're not um walmart people won't sell that and show that because mm -hmm. that is a that's a great film it's <coughs> I mean, if you liked the 1935 barbara stanwick mm -hmm. uh <coughs> um if you liked her film, then you would love The Shooting Star. It's a great film. Uh -huh. So, but that that was one of them that I worked on. And then uh, I, I believe the other one was um, Outlaw Johnny Black. And so we worked on those back to back together. And uh, man, I got on that horse, and I'm in another state on a horse, and I'm like, okay, I'm in my favorite seat. I'm, this is <laughs> this is gonna work. You didn't this take a, you didn't take a horse with you. No, no, no. They, they were supplied. We, we, yeah, well, ninety percent, ninety nine percent of the movies they. You have what's called the contract, livestock mm -hmm. contract, right, right, right. right? So you're not allowed to bring your own horse. Mm -hmm. um, Peter le allowed people to do that, and there were some world. And sometimes champions. when you had reenactors, there were world champion amounted uh, uh, shooters. I mean, yeah. the, the lady, the stunt double, that young girl was a world champion mounted shooter. Wow! So Peter hires nothing but the top and the best, and that was that was fun to work on that one. I really had a lot of fun on that one. Didn't Travis something else? Yeah, there's a character. Yeah. 12, Twelve westerns in twelve months. Now I had worked on a half a dozen westerns, and I was, I was during the during 12, the pandemic. Twelve and twelve months. I'm like, you know, I, I've been on them, and it takes a lot longer than a month to film a western. <laughs> but I got to see how this guy does it. So, I, and I had worked at Gammon's Gulch on a, on a TV show, so I knew Gammon's Gulch, and I knew, so I went to Travis and said, hey, you know, I said I, I want to be a part of this, and can I? So he put me in three different ones. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're talking about riders. Peter was in the last one. Yeah. Actually, Peter was in the yeah, last one. Yeah, I saw one. Travis Mills yeah. was as well. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about riders, and I started in 1965, and at that time, there was still a lot of good cowboys, especially in Tucson, because they were still wintering here. Yeah. But even then, we was, you, you would get you would get inundated with guys coming out that said they could ride, yeah. and then you'd get out there and they couldn't. But that, like my big break, uh, Red Morgan was doing a scene on the show, and he had to do a saddle fall, and Red was sharp. He looked and he saw these guys, and he says. He said to me, he says, uh, stay behind me, keep these guys off me. When I go off, you just circle around, yeah. keep them off of me. Yeah. And sure enough, he went off, I did that. Well, it broke the ice with him, and it started getting me in with the stunt guys. And But it was just because there wasn't right. And by the time I left, uh, I worked on that. They had a huge casting call for uh, the thing that... Uh, Chamberlain did about Fremont, the miniseries. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it. And uh, Lundeen had to get like 60 guys to work on it there in L.A. Yeah. Now you think in L.A. with all the stunt people, you could get 60 guys. And when we got out there, I would say 60 to 70 percent of the guys that were out there weren't movie guys. They were cowboys yeah. that uh, he brought in from around the area. Yeah, that's that was amazing. Peter and I did that last uh, Travis Mills, Heart of the Gun. Mm -hmm. That was a good one. Uh, you're talking about stunts. Catch the Bullet um, is a great one. Actually, uh, Peter and I were in that one together also. But uh, 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 and I'm the only one that doesn't get killed with a bullet. <laughs> You'll have to watch the movie to see how I got killed. But no spoilers. Yeah, no, no, no. You'll no have spoilers. to see, watch it to see how I got killed. But that was an interesting. Well, how did Peter die? Or was he just doing the killing? <laughs> no, Peter's the one that could smell you a mile away. <laughs> Is that right, Peter? Isn't that true? Are you talking about for real or for in the movie? Yeah. Is, is, isn't, that, isn't that true, Peter? Is what true? You you could smell him a mile away and catch a bullet. Oh, that was yeah, that was uh, one of my. Uh, I heard him two miles away and could smell him a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Peter, well, Peter, it's got to be difficult when you're doing a project, and you, the perfectionist that it sounds like you are, um, and and to have to go through going. <laughs> to audition, 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 and so-and-so, so-and-so can't ride, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it, it's got uh, to be like herding cats. No, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a whole different way that I, I, I've been in the business so long and been doing this for so many years. We've done over a thousand shows in the last, uh, you know, since Tombstone. Mm -hmm. And I don't, uh, I, a couple of weeks ago, there was a short that was being filmed. And they came out and they wanted the guns 
and they wanted a costuming for their top characters. Well, the costumer that came out, uh, yeah, again, costumer didn't know, you know, what they had. So I'm standing over there with the director, and she's going through the costume building and and pulling out stuff and pulling out stuff, and I'm going, well, well, that's not right. That uh, you you want to you want to do this, you want to do that. Well, she was adamant about it. And she says, "No, I want I want the person to have a leather vest, kind of like uh, Ben Cartwright in Bonanza." And I yeah, said, "Well," right. <laughs> you know, and I said, "I said, I said, okay," and I'm standing right with the director, and I said, "Okay, I'm washing my hands of the whole thing. I'm I'm the ultimate horror, so you're renting the stuff for me. Go ahead, rent it. I'm making money on it. I don't care, but don't ask me for advice because if I give it to you and you ignore it." Fine, go ahead and do your do your thing. Uh, we're doing another movie. I'm leaving on uh, Wednesday to go to Montana and Wyoming, and we're filming a movie up there. Where the producer called me a couple of months ago and said, "Okay, we uh, we're doing this movie uh, in Wyoming and uh, Montana. We want you to play a livery stable guy." So I asked, "I have to be an Irishman playing a, a livery stable man who takes stolen horses in from the states." <laughs> And we want you to do that, but we want you, want you to supply the props, the guns, and the costumes. And I said, fine, then let me hire the costumer. Let me hire the, uh, uh, you know, the, although we have a prop person up here, I said, okay, give me a list. Uh, so the last couple of days I had my people packing the trailer. I'm going to hook it up back of my uh, motorhome, and I'll drive up with, uh, with the guns and the costumes. The costumer's flying up. She had to go to Tombstone. Uh, this weekend, uh, William Shockley is doing a movie in Tucson, right. and she's also doing the costumes on that. So she's bringing a shipment of costumes down to them, and then she flies from there to uh, to Cody, Wyoming, and that's where we start filming on next Sunday. Is she doing the uh, Last Dollar? Is that the one she's doing here? Is is the what? The Last Dollar. Uh, you know, I don't know the name of it. Uh, Granger Hines is starring in it, and he's the one who's producing it. Mm-hmm. And I saw I was in Oklahoma City at the Cowboy Hall of Fame uh, last month, and Granger came up to me. I had worked with him on two other movies, and you know, we were talking, and then he said, "Yeah, I'm going down. William Shockley's directing, and and uh, you know, I'm producing this movie, and I'm starring in it down in Tucson." And I said, "Great, fantastic!" I said, "I'm going to be up in uh, Wyoming and Montana." Uh, filming, so I'll do that. I finish on the. I'll be back here on the 18th, uh, dropping the tr- uh, costume trailer off, and then I'm heading to Tombstone for the 30th anniversary. Wow! Hopefully, hopefully, we'll be able to get down there and meet yeah. and say hello in that'd person. Be, that'll be cool. All right, we got to do our next commercial break here on Amal Franzi's Voices of the West. Vernon Walker is our guest, along with Peter Scirocco. They are cowboys and movie guys. And that's our topic on Movie Saturday. From the White Stallion Ranch, Harry Alexander, Bunker of Ranch, and Todd Roberts, it's Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data secure, safe and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 skeet fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. You've got some cattle you want, Russell, but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job. Little lady up the road a piece won't strike a deal with you about water rights. You out there! Come one step near and old Bess here will spit right in your eye. So you need to strike your own deal, but you need the right henchmen to do the job. The stage is hauling a Wells Fargo box loaded with gold. You've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold, but blank henchmen to pull off the job. What to do? You better start packing a handgun. 
Call Red a Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scrappy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Red a Hench users have to say. Well, you know, when I joined Red a Hench, I was trained by Bud Osborne, Charlie King, and some of the best head henches there ever was. And I'm going to guarantee you that you cannot hench without the proper henches around you. And that's just a gentle hench. When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our rent henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow directions, and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. See our ad in the Saturday Evening Post or Harper's Weekly. Hey, not only that, when you're in the Long Branch and you want to go next door to Doc's to get that bullet out of your shoulder, get a rent hench to sit there on your place and keep your whiskey warm while you're gone. Red a hench, when you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean. You let me do the work. Hey, this is Robert Fuller, uh, Jess Harper from Laramie, and we're listening to the Voices of the West. <laughs> Emil Francie's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles, our guests, Tucson Vernon Walker is with us in the studio here, and on the phone, it's uh, Peter Scirocco, who is in Los Angeles as well, and uh, for the uninitiated, yes, the High Chaparral theme plays, otherwise de France walks off the set, so there you go. (laughs) That's my theme song. It's his theme song. I wish I had a theme song. Well, I, I need a theme up. song. You know, like, uh, Todd needs a theme song. Well, what's that one? Teddy bears on parade. No, 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 no. no that, my my theme song would be, I'm drunk, I stink like a skunk, and I gotta go find another source of funk. Okay. So, Peter, I gotta ask you, when when uh, when uh, Tombstone came out. At the end, when the um, Wyatt Earp posse and his immortals are riding, there's all that, shall I say, compilation of footage. Several of the members have a shotgun through kind of a sleeve on the saddle horn. Hmm. Who came up with that and how, why, where? Because I'd never that seen is, it before. That has always been around. I mean, that yeah. was the mountain men. Uh, had that it was always uh, it's a, uh, a a way of carrying a gun across your saddle, and uh, so that's always been it's it's always been historically correct, and uh, that's the that's the way it was. So we had that because in our saddle scabbards we we everybody kept a rifle. So the the posse Herb's posse was well armed. And everybody, well, I, designed, I designed the guns for everybody to have a different gun. So, Sherman McMaster's had an 1878 Colt uh, Frontier double action. He also had a shotgun, and he had a, a 76 Winchester cut down. Buck Taylor, who was uh, Turkey Creek, had a Remington, an 1875 Remington, as well as a. Uh, a shotgun and a 73 Winchester. I had the Whitney Kennedy. Earp, of course, had uh, two single actions, one with a 10-inch barrel. He had he had a Stevens three-trigger shotgun. Jeez. That is the only one authenticated to Earp that he borrowed from Fred Dodge at the Wells Fargo office in Tombstone. Talk about that firearm. Interesting. Yeah. Talk about the three triggers. Yeah, three trigger firearm. Yeah. Talk the, about that, the, Peter. The forward trigger was used to open the barrels. Okay. Everybody, everybody had a shotgun. I gave them a different way of opening. There was a different opening on those guns. Okay. Because that was a time period when everybody, when so many inventors were coming up with different ideas. Uh-huh. It was uh, the industrial age, right, and right, that right. again, you don't see that in other Western movies. My shotgun was a lift lever. Buck yeah. uh, Turkey Creek had had your traditional lever on top that you move it to the side. Doc's hol- uh, Holiday's shotgun had a lever on the left side, so you push it down to open the barrels. Hmm. Why, of course, was the uh, three trigger the, tri- the the front trigger opened the barrels. That design did not last long 
because you can imagine somebody in the in the heat of a battle, you know, a grizzly bear coming Oops. at you, and you're pulling the trigger, but you pull the wrong one, you open the barrel. Oops. <laughs> Reset. Yeah. Hold on. Well, that, that, that design didn't last long. That uh, it was a Stevens 10 gauge, and that is what Wyatt Earp had. We're, we're the only Wyatt Earp movie that ever had a Stevens 10 gauge in it. Wow. Everyone else just, oh, he has a shotgun. Okay, give him a shotgun. Yeah. Uh, there was a there was a line on there because Wyatt uh, uh, Kurt had a, had a problem a couple of times. Uh, you know, he had to fire twice, so he would cock one hammer and fire it, but the other hammer he would only half cock, and it wouldn't go off. Huh. And he would say, you know, and, and he said, "Ah, right, give me a pump shotgun. No, nobody cares about the shotgun. They care about me." Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. I got a question for you here, and this is this is just kind of esoteric, but Buck was wearing a Masonic symbol during the movie, and right. Because I, I I belong to the same lodge out there that Buck did, you know, five four two in North Hollywood, and I thought that was so neat. Uh, but now talking to you, I, how how authentic would, would that have been? It was very authentic because not only is Buck a member of the Masonic Lodge, but so was Turkey Creek. Yeah. Hmm. And oh, I didn't Buck know that. found that out. And Buck said, "Whoa, wait! He was a member of the Masonic Lodge. I'm, you know, and and he he came up with the idea of doing that. That's, uh, you know, that that's that's what a good actor does. Yeah. Good actor comes up with his own ideas, and and he could back them up, not just, uh, you know, not just do, doing it because I think it's cool. There's one actor that I've worked with on on six different movies, and I call him up." Every time we're going to work in a movie, I said, what do you need? What do you want? And he'll always say, oh, no, I'm fine. I don't need anything. I don't. But as soon as we're on the set and he'll go, oh, can I have a match safe so I can uh, light a cigar? <laughs> you know, he'll, he'll ask for something. And the prop guy goes, I, I don't have that. That's not in the prop list. That's not. <laughs> so I always call the actor up and I, I say, come on. Tell me what you did, and then, then I'll make sure that I'll have something that he's going to ask for. And he always asks for it at the last minute. Mm -hmm. Wow! You know, I want to I want to take a moment here. Uh, so maybe you can light up a cigar while I'm doing this. But I want to cover uh, some of the positions that you have covered, or departments you have worked: actor, producer, stunts, art department, costume department location manager, production design, costume design, special effects, art director, casting, uh, a miscellaneous crew, armorer, historical consultant, researcher, horse wrangler, consultant, uh, advisor, buckaroo coordinator, prop master, saddle and leather, reenactment coordinator, historical advisor, horse trainer, horse contractor, head wrangler, weapons wrangler, handler, uh, Prop supplier, props, extra casting, consulting production, executive producer, stunt coordinator. You've worn a lot of hats. What the hell haven't you done? I can't keep one job. What the hell haven't you done? <laughs> can't hold a job down. <laughs> that is well, just... let, me, let me tell you how the whole, the whole system started. Years ago, when I first started acting in New York, I was advised and told that what you have to do as an actor is invest in a laundromat and that was just a term yeah. for a business that makes money when you're not making money that's why Vern has bunches of quarters <laughs> that's, that's it I also laundry he's a guy that you don't have to worry about <laughs> that's great he's calling me the whole time can I borrow somebody you don't have to worry about that <laughs> give me a roll of quarters anyway, so we did that, and then in the 80s when I came out here and I wanted to do westerns, and everybody was laughing at me, and they said, no, I brought my horses out from the East Coast. Uh, I brought all my, you know, I brought several guns out uh, at that time, and I said, I want to do westerns. And they said, no, I, I was on a soap opera in New York. I was on stage in New York. They said, here, All New York, my here. children. <laughs> yep, oh, yes, all my children. <laughs> yeah, no, so I, I'm doing that stuff, and they said, and I said, nah, I cannot ride and not shoot anybody out here because I was. That's what I was doing back east. I was riding my horse through the woods and shooting live ammo at, uh, you know, in in the woods. You always have the bum. You always have the people that throw their garbage out. Yeah, people would throw you know gallon paint cans out, mm -hmm. and I'd be riding by and shooting gallon paint cans you know, from my horse. <laughs> 
Yep. So anyway, I came out here, and, and all my friends out here who are Westerners or cowboys who are movie buffs, they're all, they all hate Westerns. They love Westerns, and they hate them. They go, this is not, look at the hat. The hat's not right. Yep. The saddle's not right. The gun's not right. What is, why are they doing this? Yeah. And, Sounds like rifles. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and, and so what happened, I, I said to myself, wait a minute, I have to have a laundromat. I have to have something. I will start the business to make Westerns right. Yeah. To be authentic. So that is my laundromat, and that's why I started doing all of these other things. It also helps me in my acting career because instead of having my agent send me into a casting director who's going to say, oh, no, he's not right, hmm. the producer calls me up, and I go into the office with him. You know, there's one of my books, The Fringe of Hollywood, and a producer had bought the book a couple of years ago. He had it on his desk. I waited for a meeting with him. And he picked up the book and he goes, have you read this book? This book tells you how to make a Western. <laughs> I said, read it. I wrote it. Yeah, that was good. So I get the job. And this is how I, I this, is, this, this, this has been immensely great for me for getting acting jobs as well as supplying everything because I am I call myself the Walmart of Westerns <laughs> I have all this stuff I can supply everything and it's correct it's it's uh, you know I can it doesn't matter what the budget is on the movie if it's a $500,000 movie or a $50 million movie I'm going to give you the same quality that I put in Tombstone because that's what I have I look for quality when I, when I buy stuff well talking of your books you've done which is Tombstone the Guns and the Gear and the one you were just referring to the Fringe of Hollywood, the making of a Western, not to mention the travels of Oso and Neo. Uh, tell us about your books. I want to know about Oso and Neo. Those are your well, those, those, are, those are children's books. Yeah, I know, but that, they're still interesting. And, and you know, I, I'm at a gun show one time. I'm selling, you know, I, I, I go to gun shows all the time and, uh, you know, buy, sell, and trade. That's how I get my stuff. And uh, I'm selling my kids' books. A guy walks up to me and he goes, hey, you're, you make Western movies. I said, what, do you make, what are you writing kids' books for? I said, listen, when I was a kid, I grew up with Roy Rogers and Gene Autry. Mm -hmm. They taught me my way of life. And it's my turn now. So I'm, I'm, I'm developing this. So my horse Oso, which I had for 27 years before I finally, uh, you know, he finally had a stroke and I mm. had to put him down, but I skinned him and he's on my, uh, he's on one of my chairs in the house here. Awesome. I wrote these stories uh, about them. And, and one of them is, okay, my horse and dog are, are going into town and they hear all of this noise, all of this racket. And they look into a window and it's a print shop. And on the print on the printing machine is a cogwheel. And the cogwheel is sitting there. I'm important. I'm so important. If I go fast, the machine goes fast. If I go slow, the machine goes slow. I think I'll just stop. So he stops. And <laughs> <laughs> he goes, looks at the machine, takes out the cogwheel, is walking to the trash can, and the cogwheel is going, No, no, I'm important. He throws it in the trash can pulls another cogwheel in the machine and the machine works so my horse and dog look at each other and go what did we learn here yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter how important you think you are if you don't do your job you're going to be replaced and on that note we're going to take our final commercial break our final cogwheel here on <laughs> Abel Franzi's Voices of the West we're streaming live from the White Stallion Ranch. We'll be back after these messages. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities 
activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. Imus Wilkinson is now Wilkinson Wealth Management, 7411 East Tank Verde in Tucson, 520-777-1911. Read classic Western comics anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. All right, listeners, you like Westerns, right? You're darn to. I mean, you do listen to this program. So you want a chance to tell the rest of the world which Westerns you think are the best? I'm always ready to back up whatever I say. Here's how. Email us your picks for your top five Westerns. Tell us why you think those five are the best cowboy movies. You got any more you want to say on the subject? Each month, we'll pick one entry and offer you the chance to talk about your choices as a guest on our live stream and resulting podcast of the Voices of the West program. Pretty simple, right? We want to hear from you. We have our men scouring the valley. Email your list to Best Westerns, Voices of the West at gmail.com. I guess that's all we need to hear. We've got to get the judge and Jim Bannister out of this community or we're out of luck. The only place in the town is doing any business is the jail and most of my men are in it. This is the Voices of the West. Francie's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles, our guest, Peter Scirocco, who's also in Los Angeles, and here at the White Stallion Ranch with us is a Tucson Vernon Walker, and uh, it's our movie, yes it is, it's our movie Saturday program, and uh, we're going to pay, we paid homage to Bob Wills, sir, yeah, with the sure. Yellow Rose of Texas. He did some good little West. He certainly, you know. He did a couple he, with Russell Hayden, it was the Bounty yeah. movie. I know the the yeah the sons the sons acted in a bunch of uh, old bees. Um, it was good oh, stuff. Way Whitley, all hit the writers of the Purple Sage. Good stuff. Yeah. All right, we're uh, on the tail end of the program here, and uh, before we go any further, Vern Walker, your favorite western. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, I, I I just loved a lot of those Joel McRae films back in the fifties. Yes, sixties. Uh, Four Faces West. Yeah, that's just oh, those yeah. are all amazing. Um, and then the, you know, there's a few that that, that Peter and I've been a part of. Um, Catch the Bullet. I really enjoyed that one. Shooting Star. I really enjoyed that one. Um, these hot bass stiff drink films, if they ever come out, I think they're going to be fun to watch. I think yeah. people are going to enjoy them. But for watching a movie, I've I, I watched those Joel McRae movies or or the 1935 uh, Barbara Stanwyck. Uh, um, uh, what does she call? Um, Annie, Annie Oakley. Oakley thank Annie you. Oakley. Yeah. Annie Oakley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I can't I can't watch that enough times. Yeah, I hear you. Even Forty Guns. Yeah, Forty Guns. Oh my yeah. gosh, I've watched that. I don't know how many times I've watched. Peter Scirocco, your favorite Western, sir. I haven't made it yet. 
<laughs> well, when you do, what's it going to be about? Western. It's, <laughs> you know, it's going to be about the frontier west. Actually, I, I like a lot of the movies from the 30s and 40s. I see these yeah, things right. on Facebook all the time. There's the 37 best westerns, and they always have, you know, McCabe and Mrs. Miller and some right. spaghetti western in there or something. And I go, no. They, they never mentioned Dodge City with Earl Flynn. Oh. They never mentioned, uh, like, like uh, Ern said, the uh, Joel McCray movies. Yeah. Uh, we're Dodge doing a movie City, the first show. great saloon fight. One of the greatest. So, so what do you guys think? What do you guys think of the of the B movies? I mean, we we we've, we've gone almost almost first full circle where we've got we got the Bs and then we got the modern day westerns, which you know, but we're all on the same page that we like the Bs. What is it about the Bs that we like so much? They had they had good stories. There you go. You know, they had they good had stories, and they had, and they had, and they had some action. You can see the guy; the guys could ride. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, you know, it's it's it's, it's a great point because we had you had the guys in coming out of the silence, which were had been cowboys, are you know Buck Jones, Tom Mix, and these guys were you know the Wild West shows, and just like the guys after World War Two, yeah, doing the war movies. These guys had been in combat; they could. They could give you the feeling of it. Well, here's Johnny Bon Como. Johnny Bon Como in the studio. <laughs> uh, one of our favorite Western musicians. He plays a 12, not 12, 20, 18, 18, 18 string. string guitar. Can you picture that, Peter? <laughs> wow. Yeah, you ought to hire this guy for uh, music, man. And he, he is, he, that is, that is a one man show. Let me yeah. tell you, he is yeah. great. Yeah. Oh, good. Hey, come on, down, come on down to Tombstone down there at the end of the month, and uh, <laughs> well, I'll pass it on to him. He doesn't have any headsets on, but I'll pass it on to him. Yeah, uh, just something about the bees, the stories. Uh, my wife and I, we we watch westerns well almost all the time, but Friday nights is our our saddle up night. And uh, I mean, we're we're past six hundred westerns, and 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 they're all bees. Uh, so <laughs> that tells you a lot there. A lot, lot, lot of good stuff. Yeah, I, you know, I, every every couple times a year, I have I have all the Hopalong Cassidy's. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yes. I'll, I'll I'll binge on a, on a oh, weekend. Yeah. Yep. A bunch of hoppy after hoppy. The early ones that he made at Paramount were absolutely fantastic. Yes, he set yes. the standard. He, he did. Indeed. Well, what no do you question. think of the silent uh, cowboys? Because I love those guys. I yeah, love, Harry Carey, you know, Hooter. Uh, I mean, you know, Jack Ford directed uh, them. Tim McCoy. Tim McCoy. Jack uh, Jack Holt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, those, the, it, all those guys were great. You know, I have a, I have a. There was a series of books written by uh, by one of the actors who appeared in the movies in the '30s and and 40s and in in the book he was writing he said you know how they got hired as cowboys uh if if you had if you had your outfit they hired you if you had your own gun they hired you if you brought your own horse to the set and there were stories that were where these guys would be 10 miles away from from the set they would ride their horse into mm -hmm. the set work all day and then ride the horse back home at night oh yeah and that was that was you know these these guys knew what they were doing. They were, so when you get just a book called The Hollywood Posse, if you if you've never read oh, it, oh yeah, the the baby Peggy, right? Have a chance to to read to read that book. It is fantastic. It's, uh, that should be the first story. book if you never read any. Yeah, I agree. Well, get him get him some crayons. <laughs> oh, Peter, you're working on a bunch of different projects now. Vernon, what uh, what are you working on? Oh, I got some stuff going with Peter right now. We're okay. talking. We I was I spent last weekend with him. We went to dinner and spent some time together. We got some things we're working on, and then I've got some things coming up uh, uh, with uh, Lou Diamond and. Some other people. Uh, which, which makes me ask a question, Vernon. Did you call Sarah up, the producer on on the show up in Montana? Yep. I gave you those she couple was parts. Busy. That open. She was busy the first time, and I sent her my information, and she hasn't called me back. So, uh, Peter, you should hire Harry on your next picture. <laughs> you, you'd love him. Yeah, right. <clears throat> I can do I can do a bartender, and that's about <clears throat> about it, or a car dealer. You could do a barfly. 
You know, I could do a bar for you. Hell of a bar for you. I know, yeah. If you're a bartender, you drink of the profits. Yeah, well, see, thank you. That's what I do. <clears throat> uh, that That's it for this edition of uh, Amal Franzi's Voices, the West Vernon Walker. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you, so you coming down. Peter Sharanko, thank you so much for uh, being with us this afternoon. Good. It was, it was fun. Both, both fellas, you're invited anytime. To join us. And we're here live every Saturday at 4 o'clock. So just shoot just an email. Shoot an email, a telephone call, whatever. And, uh, if you're in town, be here. Yeah, we'll, we'll have you on because this is just too damn much fun. fun yeah. That's it for this well, edition of Abel Francis. 23rd through 25th of June, I'll be in Tombstone. All right. That's it for this edition of Amal Francis' Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker of France, and Todd Roberts with you. We'll see you next week. 78, 79, 80 posse. They're catching up. <laughs> so long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West.